The following episode was recorded live on YouTube for Adulting.TV Live. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to adulting.tv live. I'm Harlan and I'm here with Miranda. As usual, how are you doing, Miranda? I'm doing okay. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing good. And our guest today is Sarah Bettencourt. So Sarah, tell me a little bit about The Blonde Spot first. So The Blonde Spot is a social media marketing micro agency. I'm kind of going for, I love beer, so I'm going for the micro thing on it. But it originally started out as a mom blog, a really like, this is my son, Fox, and I'm Fox's mom. And oh my God, I love being a mom. But that wasn't really working for me. And so I decided to start doing like blonde jokes all the time. That wasn't working. All, all the while I was doing social media and everything on the side. And I'm like, well, why don't I just like make it my own branded thing? So I discovered this super cool company called Laundry Service. They're one of the big social media marketing agencies out there that works with Beats by Dre and Adobe Photoshop and everything. So I'm like, well, if they can call themselves a laundry service, I can call myself the blonde spot and just have a bunch of blondes on my side and do marketing and show that we're smart and not blonde. So what's your favorite blonde joke? You know, I don't have a favorite blonde joke specifically. My favorite blonde thing that happens all the time is I'll say something and all of a sudden, like just out of nowhere, I'll turn into a valley girl and be like, what? I don't understand what you're talking about. And then they'll sit, my family will be like, wow, are you having a really hardcore blonde moment right now? Because <laughs> that was awful, Sarah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> Basically. So tell us a little bit about your situation and uh, why you find yourself dating. I have been divorced for nearly four years. Yay. Good thing, a bad thing. I actually was a survivor of domestic abuse. My ex-husband was mentally abusive and I got out of the relationship thanks to giving birth to my son and coming to the conclusion that he actually was abusive. So I left and then I raised my son on my own, lived with my parents for two years, finished college, started a business and just blew life up and out of the water. And then I got to a point with my business where I was like, okay, now I've got this stabilized, my income's great, I can take care of Fox, I'm living on my own, everything's fine. But I'm kind of lonely right now, and there isn't exactly some, there's something missing that my friends can't provide. So I decided to start dating and see how I felt about it. And it was really, really freaking awful. I started out on Tinder and was like, what is this? This is dating now. The last time I had actually like dated people was before any of these stupid crappy apps came out. And like you actually had a face-to-face conversation with people in classes or at the bank or at a grocery store. And it's like between 2009 to 2015, the dating world just changed completely. So I had to figure out a way for myself to adapt. 
So like everyone does, you create a profile. And I started out with being really serious about what I did and what I'm doing and having a kid and everything. And I would get a lot of dick pics. It was really disgusting. Wow. Yeah. It went from like zero to 60. And that was just on Tinder. So, uh, you know, I tried to downplay my profile a little bit. And I consulted my friends and different people to see how I was coming across as someone who would accept that as a form of hello. So what I ended up doing was I got off Tinder and I tried OkCupid. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> no, I actually, okay. I actually did OkCupid first after my divorce. That's the first one I tried was oh, yeah. OkCupid. You're brave for starting on Tinder. I, I'd, heard, <laughs> I'd heard Tinder stories and I was like, I am not touching that right now. I can't handle it. <laughs> so good for you. You're brave. I think it was this the, the the naiveness in me that had no idea what Tinder really was. So when I got on it and found out, I ran the other direction as fast as I could. And then I did OkCupid. Okay I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. I mean, I don't have to pay. And then all of a sudden, if I wanted to send more messages and start interacting with more people, I had to pay. So I coughed up like 30 or 60 bucks or something like that to try and see how I could do. And I just got like bad guy after bad guy after bad guy. I think the worst date I've ever been on post-divorce, I met up with this guy who really wanted to get tacos. Like he was dead set on going to get tacos at lunch one day. And I'm like, you just want to see if I'm ugly and fat. Like, that's really what you're trying to do. So I'm going to force your hand here and say, oh, I can only do nighttime. Sorry. And we met up at this place called Joyride, which has like the best fish tacos I've ever had. And we get there and we're sitting down at the table, like having that first awkward conversation where you are like, in your head, nails on a chalkboard, just waiting for something interesting to come up in discussion. He asked me nothing about Fox, nothing about my personal life. Like he was a total bro all about him. And me trying to be the creative person, I'm like, hey, why don't we do something super weird and order a taco for each other? I'll tell you what kind of stuff I like and you can tell me what kind of stuff you like and we can kind of see, you know, where our personalities drive. And he's like, oh, that sounds really cool. Let's do it. So the waitress comes over. And oh, you, you probably already know where this is going to. So the waitress comes over and she is like, oh, so what do you guys want to order? And I said, well, he, we're actually going to order for each other. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I never agreed to that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I will have the pork taco. Thank you. And it went on from there. Like, I didn't pay for the date. Thank God. But whoo, <laughs> whoo. It was painful, probably like the most embarrassing thing I've ever experienced on a date with a guy. So how did it end? Quickly, right? (laughs) Quickly. As quick as humanly possible. Like the tacos came out. I shoved it down my mouth and I was like, well, I got to get home. It's pumpkin hour and my Cinderella cart is going to fall apart and my son's at home. I got to go. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, let me walk you to your car. And I'm thinking, you've been an a-hole this entire time. Why would I let you walk me to my car? So he walks me to my car like halfway. And then his car comes up first. He's like, well, this is my car. So I guess I'll just see you later. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for, thanks. (laughs) Have Have a great night. 
And I walk to my car and I sit down in the car and I'm like, what the hell was that? That was a date. This is, this is my life now. This is my life now. I'm going to go out on awkward dates and have horrible guys who want to order tacos for me. And then they don't want to order tacos for me. That is just so weird. It's bizarre. He he was a bizarre person to begin with, I think. So this was an okay Cupid one. Mm-hmm. Okay Cupid guy. And you know, with Tinder, I actually did find a boyfriend for a short amount of time. And then I'm pretty sure that he was not into women, but he wasn't into men. He's like he I think he's one of those people that wants to be in a relationship, but literally physically and emotionally cannot be in a relationship because they're just completely incapable of uh, having those relationship qualities and being communicative to someone that they may be romantically interested in. He was really great. And I should have known it was going to be weird when he said, I love you after like two weeks of dating. And I'm like, thank you. It's a little (laughs) too soon for me. Not trying to be rude here. Just a little too soon for me. I've only been divorced for a year now. Let's calm calm down a little bit. And then we broke up six months later because he was just not interested, clearly. Hmm. He wore weird jeans, too. I did not like the jeans. (laughs) (laughs) It's the important things. You know. (laughs) (laughs) If you've got some weird style going on, no matter who you are, I mean, like the Ed Hardy t-shirts with the bedazzled jeans and everything. Like, I just, I just, it's just not my style. And that's okay. Some people like it. Some people don't. It's just how it is. But it was also for me, like, understanding your finances and being responsible with money is really important to me. Because obviously, I'm a single mom. I have a budget. I support my own self and my son. And I got to keep with it. And looking at his wardrobe, you can just see he wastes money on garbage. Not not to offend anyone that likes that style, but like he just would drop all this money and then make boast about it. Oh, these jeans were $150. And I'm like, well, that's not really a smart buy unless they're going to last you a long time. And I know those jeans last you a long time, like 12 months. But for someone like me, who's on their knees all the time, up and down, jumping, throwing children across rooms, all that junk. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I can't wear that kind of stuff. I got to go for the Target brand. That's that's where the money's at right there. (laughs) Or yoga pants. Have you been able to find anybody who's more in tune with your values through these sites or apps? So last year I went on 21 dates and they were all through OkCupid. And by the time September rolled around, I had gone on my 21st date and we were supposed to meet up at this museum. And then he decided to tell me that he wasn't going to go. At that point, I was like, well, I think I should just be content with being alone for a while and work on myself and keep going with my business and have fun with Fox and, and do that. So I stopped dating for a while. And then, like all millennials' parents do, when are you getting married? When are you going to have another kid? What, what, are you, what are you doing with your life? I'm like, um, I'm happy and I'm running a business and I'm trying to be as successful as possible and spend time with my kid before I lose these years. And it came down to my four-year-old niece saying, you need a man. 
when are you going to get married? Why don't you have a husband? And I'm just like, oh, my God. Face the pressure. Palm. The pressure. The four-year-old is on top of me with this. Yeah. What the heck's going on? And so, you know, I just, I continue to do me and, and have fun with myself. And then I decided, you know what? I will try eHarmony. I will bite the bullet. That's another one I'm like not brave enough to try right now. <laughs> like, I like, like Tinder and eHarmony feel like opposite sides of like yeah. dating spectrum. And I mm-hmm. am like not ready for either of those things. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a scary thing, especially because, well, I caught them on their New Year special. But you pay like 30 or 60 bucks a month. And in my mind, I'm like, that's my website hosting for one month. Why would I pay this money to go on shitty dates? Pardon my language, but that's really what they are. And then their New Year's special was like hard to pass up. It was a $12 a month thing. You had to pay it all up front. Reading through the terms and conditions, if you are really dead set on finding a romantic partner who is going to be a better fit for you, I definitely have to say eHarmony has been the best money I've ever spent on dating. I paid $150 for 12 months of this dating service, essentially, which is cheaper than my website hosting. Very excited about that. You know, you go through such an intense line of questioning and likes and dislikes and providing context behind your own behaviors or interests. It does a really great job of matching you with people who are going to be on the same level as you. My issue is that I'm such a giant nerd that it's really hard for me to find someone that I'm physically attracted to. Emotionally and mentally, I'm attracted to all the people that eHarmony has matched me with. But like the physical traits of a man or a woman, because I'm bisexual, are really important to me. And I just wasn't finding it until my boyfriend that I have now, he was on eHarmony like three days after I joined or something like that. And I had messaged him because I thought he was generally really cute and had, we had like a hundred percent compatibility or something crazy like that. And he wouldn't message me back. And I finally, after like a couple of weeks, I messaged him and I'm like, Hey, is there something wrong? Did I, are you, are you just not interested? He's like, Oh no, no, sorry. You're just out of my league. And I, I didn't think that it was real. I'm like, Oh my God, is that my problem? Do people think that I'm out of their league? And that's something that as a single mom, I've, I've come to really like see and understand when I say I have a son, I'm a single mom. I have my own business. I work from home. I have a podcast. I have blah, 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 blah. And like, just kind of like word vomit everything I do so I don't have to talk about it later. That intimidates people and kind of turns them off and think, well, they would never be interested in me. There's no way that I'm going to be able to have a conversation with this person and, and have them like me. So like when I've talked to my girlfriends these days who are some of them who are still single, I tell them, you know, don't necessarily word vomit all of your life onto your profile or say how successful you are. I mean, yes, girl power, be successful and don't hide it from someone. But you can't sit there and just say how empowering of a person you are. It intimidates men and and it intimidates some women. There's definitely a power play or a balance there. But if you are sticking to your guns and you want to find that person who really loves and appreciates the fact that you are gung-ho girl power or gung-ho guy power, 
screw it. Put all your stuff on there and be super excited and happy about who you are and the amazing person that you are. And yeah, don't change anything about yourself. But not that I, that makes me sound like I was really desperate (laughs) to find someone by changing my profile. But I mean, I don't think so. I think it's all about being accessible in your profile. Exactly. Accessible, relatable. And I think in a world full of side hustles, and if you're not side hustling, what's wrong with you? It tends to be the mentality. It's it's like if you have so much going on and someone is just content with, you know, how their life is, they feel inferior. Some One of the 21 guys that I went out with last year, they... Oh, God, he was kind of a pansy, to be honest. So this is probably not completely relevant. But he looked at me on our second date. This this one got to a second date. And he's like, you know, you're really intimidating. And I said, really? How am I intimidating? I'm half your size and blonde and look like I don't know what I'm doing with my life. He's like, you just have it really together. And you're raising a kid like I could never do that. And I don't know. You're so like straightforward and honest and it's kind of scary. And I'm like, that's how people should be. That's how people used to be on a much more polite format than, you know, the cursing sailors that this generation is today. But, you know, I just I I think it's so weird that people get so intimidated by people who who get who get what life is about and are adulting. Yeah, and so your boyfriend now, I imagine he doesn't feel intimidated at all. Oh, no. He he and I talk about work stuff all the time because I, I love what I do and I have a really huge passion for not social media specifically, but like telling people stories and getting to the point of connecting people with others from across the country. I have all these crazy ideas that like bounce around in my head all the time. And he actually is in the same exact field that I am, which is really helpful, I have to say, and has that entrepreneurship mindset. So whenever I'm like, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do, I'll blurt it out and just like word vomit my ideas on him. And he'll say, well, I think this will work. Let's work through it logistically now and see how we can actually make that happen. And I'm like, yay, that sounds like so much fun. Let's just do that. Let's write business plans all day. Ooh, let's build a website. Like it's just silly things like that. And he, he and I actually built a website together for a client, which was really fun. The client was me. He redesigned my website and I designed it. And, you know, I think it's really nice to have someone that kind of jives with that creative personality, but also understands like how to ground me and the chaos that's going on in my brain. It's he's a very good balance to me. How did that work working together with someone that you had just really started dating? Not not too recently before that. Yeah, I, I mean, for those that are like listening and watching and stuff, that's kind of scary. Like people are like, whoa, 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 you just started dating and you started working together? Like what is going on? That's not cool. But no, I mean, it just worked so seamlessly. I was talking to him about how I really wanted to redesign my website, but I don't have the coding or tech background to be able to do it. I can design the crap out of anything all day long. But when it comes to implementing on the back end side of any kind of anything, I need help. And he said, well, what if I implemented it for you? 
if, if you design it and provide all of the content and all of the resources, I'll do all of the coding and the building and the implementing, and then you can just go and have fun with it. And I said, um, so I'm, I'm going to be business here. Do you want me to pay you for that? Because I will pay you for that. Like, it's business. <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 no. Like, well, let, let's have this be like a trial thing to see how well we work together. And I'm like, okay, free website. Totally down with that. But good point as well. And it worked really well. Like, I would provide him content. Like, I would give him stuff, dump it on him, go bring back more. And he would put it together and back and forth. And it was so cyclical. I don't think that's the right word, but like it worked really well together. And we finished my website in four weeks, which is like less than half the amount of time it usually takes for my team and I to create something and build something. But at the same time, we pretty much saw each other every Wednesday and every weekend. And we talked on the phone a lot so that we could make sure that we were getting all of the content that he needed to him and writing up all of the assets and creating the assets that he needed to implement it. And I was essentially the client. So it was quick, easy, done. Other clients tend to take a little bit longer. And on the, on top of clients and dating, I love to tell my clients, when we first start working together, it's like dating. It's going to be kind of awkward at first and a little weird. And you're not going to feel comfortable with a lot of stuff. But eventually, you'll be happy and smiling and you'll love everything that we're working on. That's funny. So now you talked about seeing him on Wednesdays and the weekend. So do you guys live kind of far apart? Yes. So I live in Mesa, which is 30 minutes outside of Phoenix. And he lives in Scottsdale, which is about 45 minutes north of me, an hour in traffic. So he braves the traffic to come here on Wednesdays mainly because I have Fox and he doesn't want me to, well, A, come to his apartment that has tons of Bachelor stuff all over the place, like virtual reality systems and video games, things that Fox could totally break. And, like, over here, <laughs> he has no kid stuff. Like, there's there's no kid stuff. I tried getting yeah. Fox to play virtual reality. It didn't really work quite as I wanted it to, but eh, it was funny to watch. Um, so he comes over here. I made this agreement with him. I said, you know, I was in a relationship with a guy when Fox was a little tiny baby, and he said he was going to do the same exact thing. And I'm not saying this because I want to bring up exes, and I'm not saying this because I am not confident in you. I just want you to understand that if you at some point get super tired of driving in traffic every single Wednesday and then driving back home on Wednesday nights late at night, and you want to take a break from doing that, totally okay. I'm all all right with it. And I think that it's okay for you to want to recharge your batteries because that's a lot of driving. It's like living in the city. You have to take a train to go see your girlfriend or boyfriend, or you have to walk 30 minutes to go and see them. Like it's hard and having to commute to see your significant other is is a really big challenge, especially when they have kids because it limits the options of where you guys can go when the kid's around. Yeah, for sure. And how do you deal with all of the stuff that comes with dating with kids? Like right now, like I have a hard time. First of all, my son is 14. So, yeah. so my son, thinks, my son thinks it's super embarrassing that sometimes I go out on dates. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's super embarrassing for him. And then he's very ambivalent about anybody who starts taking up what he feels like is too much headspace. So yeah. 
yeah. So if, if somebody's taking up too much of like what he thinks is my headspace and he immediately dislikes them. So, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of an interesting balance as they get older and they're like more aware of what's like going on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's real. I've been really lucky in the fact that up until this year, Fox has been too young to understand and too young to remember. When I had my first boyfriend, the weird jeans guy, for a few months after the divorce, Fox was barely one years old. So he will never remember this person. And he was like not even directly affected by it at all. Other than like towards the end of the relationship where I noticed that he was not being appreciative of Fox and was not necessarily being like mean to my basically baby boy. But he just was exerting this like negative energy towards him, like like resentment or something. And that's when I was like, you know, this isn't going to work out. Also, I hate your jeans. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, I hated those things. But he was too young to remember. And now since he's four years old, he's he was diagnosed with a speech disability earlier this year. Fox was so getting him to communicate with me and understand what his needs are has been a huge challenge for me. So when I started doing this eHarmony thing and dating, I would have to sometimes, I I only did this like one or two times when my boyfriend Kyle and I started dating, take him to my mom's house to like spend the night or hang out there for a while while, while I went on this date. Sometimes that's just how schedules worked out. So I would take him over there and I'd say, okay, mommy's going to go work on some stuff at home and I'll be back in a couple of hours and then we'll go home and go to sleep and we'll wake up and have pancakes and it'll be a great sunny day. And that was kind of easy because he's so naive at this point. He doesn't quite understand that mommy's going out on a date. And then the second time I went out and had to have him babysat, my nanny, who used to nanny for me before I worked from home, she came over and was hanging out with him. I had Kyle pick me up, like tell me when he was here and I would go outside and I would just say the same thing. Mommy's going to go out to dinner with some friends and I'll be right back in a little while. And, And then that was that. But then when it came to introducing Fox, my initial thought was, I'm going to wait as long as humanly possible to introduce my very impressionable four-year-old who started chanting the F word like four months ago. Uh Yeah, (laughs) that was awkward and horrible. I don't know how he found out what that word is. I'm pretty sure it might have slipped out of my mouth while I was driving one day. But anyways, I'm very protective of him and I didn't want Kyle to see him or get to know him and then leave. That was my personal fear. So I waited as long as possible. But by the time Kyle and I started getting a little bit more serious and I could see that it was heading towards boyfriend, girlfriend stuff, he asked, when do I get to meet your son? I've seen so many pictures of him and you talk about him and he just sounds like a wonderful kid. And I said, uh, what? You, you're asking to meet him. You want to meet him. That, that, that was really new for me because the stigma, at least with people here in Arizona, is that if you have a kid, you as, that, as a person, whether you are a good mom or a bad mom or a bad dad or a good dad, you have done something to deserve to be alone with your kid. And that makes you a bad person. That, that's a huge stigma that I've noticed in Arizona. Why Everywhere do you think else that is? I mean, that, that seems foreign to 
Well, I think part of the issue is that we have a huge WIC and low-income program here. A lot of people are on SSI, and a lot of people go through divorce in Arizona. There, and I don't know if it's based on a, a religious standpoint or if it's a, a social one. My thought is that it's a little bit more social. There tends, there's a lot of, it's a giant melting pot in Arizona. There are a lot of different family backgrounds, ones that are, you don't get divorced, you get married, you stay married, end of story. And there are a lot of other families, especially where over on the end where I live, it's kind of Hicktown over here, that are pretty much like, you get you get pregnant, you get married, you don't like that man, you leave that man, and you go do you, you go do whatever you want. It comes to the point, too, where for me, I lived on food stamps for a while. I lived on access health care so that I could afford to take care of Fox and ensure that he was being properly cared for in all aspects of his life. Having that personal guilt and going to the grocery store and paying with food stamps, you could see it in people's eyes. What did you do? Why are you so dependent on the government? You have a nice shirt on or I think a clerk said to me one time, wow, that's a really nice purse. How could you afford that if you're paying with food stamps? And I'm like, seriously, this is, this is happening right now in the grocery store. And you're asking me this. I don't like blaming the Hispanic population because I have a lot of Hispanic friends and I have nothing against them, but that we're a very Republican state. And that tends to be something that people gear towards that the Hispanic population drives this social economic epidemic within Arizona where people are divorced or people are just single and taking care of tons and tons of kids. And any single parent is exactly like that. It's really stupid. Well, actually we see it here in Idaho too, a lot where there's seems to be a high degree of, do you deserve this? You know, do you deserve the EBT card? Do you deserve, mm-hmm. you know, whatever? And, and, you know, like I, I have um, a wonderful single mom that I know um, as well. And she, you know, she received help paying for a car and it's not like a fancy car. It's, you know, it's like a Honda that's a few years old, but you know, somebody was giving her a lot of crap because, they thought that she should have been driving an even worse car because of her situation. Well, you're a single mom and you're on food stamps and you're on Medicaid. So, you know, why are you driving this car? And she's like, well, first of all, it's none of your business, (laughs) you know, why I'm driving this car, but yeah, my mom helped me buy it so I could get to and from work. (laughs) Right. Yeah. From to and from work for my part-time minimum wage job. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because Not only do you have to like have a job that allows you to take care of your kids, you have to have a job that you can afford all of these things because in Arizona and Idaho, you have to have a car to get to work. You have to regardless of what kind of pay you're getting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's the public transportation here. That's hilarious. But (laughs) I know, right? But yeah, twenty degrees outside. I'm not taking the bus. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. Oh, it's not even an option for me. I mean, we have a bus, but you know, it makes the rounds of the town every four or five hours. I mean, that's not getting you to work in any sort of time. But I just find it interesting that 
too, when you, when you're a single mom and you start and you're dating, right? Everybody's very interested in, well, what do you do with your child? And, you know, are you leaving your, like, you know, they expect you to date because of course you need to have that man in your life. So you should be trying yeah. to get married again naturally. Um, but at the same time, you know, are you going out too much, you know, because you can't, you can't be leaving your kids home too much because then you're a bad mom. But if you're not getting yeah. them, you're not getting that man in their life and that father figure coming into their life, you know, quick enough, then you're still a bad mom. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's really hard to like navigate that and deal with all of that because it is, it is frustrating because it really is a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation in a lot of ways, especially if you're living in a culturally conservative area. For how I navigated that was I really tried to stick to dating on the weekends when I didn't have Fox. And that made it really hard to hold, not not hold on to a guy, but like keep a guy interested long enough. Because I'd start talking to them, let's say a weekend that I have Fox and I could say, oh, well, I can't this weekend, but I can next weekend. And then they'd say, well, why can't you on like a Wednesday night? Because I, ha I have my son. And right now I really don't want to pay $60 for a babysitter to come over and watch him while you and I go out gallivanting around the town. It's really like not where I'm at yet. And I just don't want to do that to him. But at the same time, there would be those times where I was really interested in a guy and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try to find a way to make a babysitter work so that I can go out on this date. And then I would get set in with guilt and I would just feel guilty. I want to go on the date so bad that I'm willing to just leave my son with a babysitter for a night. Like, who am I? And you have that identity crisis like on and on and off. And it's like, it makes wanting to date hard and it also makes having a relationship with someone really hard because you feel like anytime you want to go do something with just them and you have your kid, and you have to get a babysitter, you feel guilty because you're leaving them and you feel poorer <laughs> because you're <laughs> paying pay for a babysitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what are the things that you can do to get past that and in, enjoy your dating life as much as you enjoy your parent life? So the way that you can do that for how I ended up finding out that I could do this was to not feel guilty about it. And as like cliche as that is, that's really how it is with life. You, If you're going to allow yourself to just mull in this pile of guilt every single time you want to go do something for yourself – then you're either doing it way too much or you're just beating yourself up too much. I think um, as single parents, we tend to push ourselves to the limit and really balance. Oh my God, there was this video on YouTube today of this woman with like 12 hula hoops that she was swinging around and someone had captioned um, on the video, if, if I was doing this every single time, one of my kids said, mom, I need you it would just be perfect because it explains mom life perfectly. You, you're, you're throwing around 12 hula hoops at all times because you have 12 different things going on in your head. What I had to do was go on those horrible 21 dates and have that time for myself and really evaluate how I wanted my life to look. I knew that I didn't need someone to take care of me, that I wanted someone to enjoy life with. So I set that as a priority for who I was looking for, in addition to a couple of other things. And then I said, how do I want my life with Fox to look? How do I want him to see me in 10 years, regardless of whether or not he's going to remember this time as a four-year-old or not? And I said to myself, 
I want him to see me as that fun, supportive, and firm mom. I'm very like discipline needs to happen. <laughs> I can't not have a disciplined child because then he'll be running around Target screaming like a dinosaur, even though he does it anyway. That's the thing lately. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to allow myself to go on a date two to three times a month when Fox is home. And I'm going to be okay with that because as a mom who has the child 90% of the time and as hard as I work, and as hard as any single parent works for that matter, you deserve to give yourself a night off, whether that's going out with friends or going out on a date. And this isn't from inspiration that I got from Eva's mom, Charlotte Baker. She told me, schedule time to go do something for yourself. It doesn't have to be you going out doing something alone or you going to your parents' house, but it's time where you find time for Fox to go with your parents or with auntie and uncle or with the babysitter. You leave, you go sit in a coffee shop and read a book if that's what you need to do, but you need to get out of the house, get away from everything and enjoy life. So I started doing that. And after four or five months of being alone and not dating and using that time for me to go and have fun and do something, I shifted to, I'm going to throw a date in there and and see if I can make this work. And then Kyle ended up happening so fast that it was pretty much like, boom, okay, well, I guess that I needed to just wait and figure out what I wanted to do and how serious I was ready to be. I stood firm in making whoever I was going to date understand that my child comes first. I will love you and care about you and you will be part of my world. But if it comes down to, I have to choose between Fox and you, it's going to be Fox hundred percent of the time. It doesn't matter how in love with you I am. That's how it's going to be. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. There's the door. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I have a hierarchy that's really hard for most men to deal with, you know, because pretty much anybody that I date has to deal with the fact that I'm, I'm going to put Gavin first, you know, I'm going to put my son first. I'm probably going to put work before whoever I'm dating. I'm probably going to put my political involvement whoever, <laughs> before whoever I'm dating. And it's like, eh, you're pretty far down on the list, buddy. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm kind of like, ah, you know, the whole dating thing is just something that feels like a distraction to me. And it's something yeah. that like distracts me from the things that I want to do. And I, and you know, part of it's like, I like being single. So I don't mind going out on dates, but yeah. <laughs> I, and honestly, like that is how I felt when I first started going on these dates with him is like, how am I going to involve him in my life? I like being able to do whatever I want all of the time. I don't want to have to say, oh, what do you think about this? Should we do this? Do you want to hang out tonight? Like I was not looking forward to that at all. But it and I, I developed such strong feelings for him that it developed into I wanted to spend time with him or I would say, "Mm, I need a time. I I need a night by myself at home and I'll see you tomorrow or I'll see you later in the evening on the next day or whatever. And he's very understanding of that. And I think part of it is because he gets how in my head I can get about work because like you, I love doing work. Give me a small project. Give me five actually at a time and I'm a happy girl. I just love to do it. And he understands that. And I think a way to help make your dating life 
successful when you have kids and you have a job that you love is to really just set those priorities from the start. It's difficult to say within the first couple of dates or first couple of times you see and meet each other that this is how my life is. This is the way that I like my life. And if you don't like it, go by. That's hard. I never wanted to say that for anyone. But with Kyle, I just said, you know, if this is going to work, this is how it has to be. And he has to accept it like that. And of course, there are compromises that we can make and agreements that you can come to. But there are non-negotiables. And if someone's not okay with those non-negotiables, then they're not the right person for you. Finding this discussion really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, how's it going, Harlan? (laughs) I I think... We can say my perspective, but I'm thinking maybe people who are are like me as well. For a man to say those same things, like, I have my priorities, we can go dating, we can get to know each other, but you're not going to be high on my priority list. Um, and you have to accept that. I think it's, uh, I think it would be a lot more difficult for someone. Uh, for totally, yeah. So it's, it's really interesting because that's not a dynamic that I've really thought about before. Uh, in terms yeah. of relationships. And you know, that that is really interesting. I think if Kyle had been the one to say that like me and my mindset was not on the same wavelength, I would have been really put off and said, well, I don't think this is going to work out then. I think what it really comes down to is having that person who's on the same wavelength mm-hmm. as you that likes that, that gets that and wants that too. And that's really hard to find. It's It's a needle in a haystack situation. But I, I would say, regardless if you're a guy or a girl, go for it. Say it. I love my work, and it's going to come before you for a while. And that might change. That might not. But that that's how it is right now. And if you are not comfortable with that, then let me know. And we'll go from there. So in terms of setting yourself up for a great dating life as a parent, it sounds like the most important thing is being very clear and communicating what it is that you want out of the dates that you go Mm -hmm. on. Exactly. And understanding that you have to stick to your guns. If you give in even on one thing, like, um, I gave in on this guy in video games. I love video games and I play lots of video games, but in the same time, like I don't do it around Fox and I don't do it in times it's inappropriate. Like I have an adult understanding of when it's right and wrong to play games. And this guy was just like, no, nah, I'm going to play video games. No, let's play video games. And I'm like, are you 14? Cause like that's acceptable when you're 14 and want to play Xbox all day, but not when you're a 29 year old man who has responsibilities and should be experiencing life more. Like, I don't think it's appropriate for a 14-year-old to play Xbox all day. <laughs> My son does not <laughs> play video games all day. Because <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want him to grow up to be a 29-year-old <laughs> guy <laughs> playing video games. Video, I was going to say something else, but be, I decided not to. <laughs> video game time should definitely be limited when uh, when people are kids so that they grow up and they don't want to continue spending 18 hours a day playing video games. And I have I have friends mm-hmm. who do that, and I, I certainly don't judge them. And if that's how they want to spend their time in their life, that's that's fine with me. But, you know, for a partner, I would, you know, I'd have a different set of expectations. Yeah, I my expectations for games and stuff like that, I expect you to love The Legend of Zelda and want to play it. But if you want to do nothing but play it all day long, we're going to have a little bit of a problem. Like, I need to get outside and breathe fresh air. <laughs> 
So how about on the financial side? How do you make sure that you're on the same page and still able to enjoy dating? That is a little trickier for me. So when I first started dating, I had what, what is it called? Like sudden wealth syndrome, I think is what it's called. I went from living off of $1,200 a month to having like four times that. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy all this stuff that I've never had in my life so that I can be happy and look great and, and feel great. And Fox will have tons of toys. It'll be awesome. And I started spending lots of money on getting ready to go on dates. Like I would go get spray tan, get my nails done, get my hair done. Like it was ridiculous. And when I went, went, when I was like halfway through my going out on dates thing last year, I came to this conclusion. I'm like, it doesn't matter how much money I spend on making myself look good. These guys are not going to be interested regardless because it's about my personality and how we match up with one another. And I don't want to date someone that wants to be as frivolous as I've been. So I need to kind of ask the right questions now. And by that, I don't mean how much money do you make or what kind of things do you like to do? How much money do you spend in a month? Not those hardline questions that you ask when you're like dating for a year and a half. I started asking things like, what do you like to do? Normal questions that you ask people, but paying attention to how they answer those questions. So guys that would say things like, oh, I like to go out to the bars in Scottsdale and hang out for the weekend. Well, those are going to be big spender kind of guys. And as much as I like going to a bar occasionally and having a couple beers, I don't like to do it every single weekend, all weekend long. A, I don't want to spend $75 a day on drinking when I can just have 12 bottles of wine at home and do it here and be safe. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, paying attention to questions like that or saying things like, or finding out more about their time growing up or how their family was throughout their young childhood. What I, what I do is as just being me is I tend to get really deep in conversation with people on the first and second date. It just naturally goes that way for me. If it's, a compatible person because <laughs> the taco guy definitely was not the taco person was not <laughs> the right compatible person. But like, I'll get deep with them and I'll say, tell me, you know, about your childhood growing up. What was your favorite part? What was one of the hardest things that you had to deal with? And under and like using my, my left brain and my right brain to kind of analyze their answers and try to get to the bottom of what some of this would mean um, and pay attention to those signifiers in their clothing and whether they were like, this is, this is the biggest thing, the check dance from how I met your mother. Ted doesn't like to go on the state with this woman because she doesn't do the check dance. She doesn't reach for the check. She just assumes that he's going to pay for it, which he's going to do, but he wants to make sure that she doesn't just assume that he's going to pay. Exactly. And that's I'm I'm a fan of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Love How I Met Your Mother. So, I mean, that's essentially what I do. Like, if I do the check dance and the guy is totally down to let me pay for it all, that is not okay. And I'm not saying that as a sexist thing. I'm saying that as a... Like, this is a first date. There's still gentlemanly tactics that need to be upheld on a first date. And if you are incapable of doing that, 
then this makes me feel like you're just in it for a free meal or bang, for lack of a better term. From what I understand, if they want to bang, I I understand that they should be reaching for the check. (laughs) Right? You're not going to get me to do anything. That's what what society has told me. (laughs) A lot of the time on a first date, I like to go Dutch, honestly. And if we've gone out more than once, if, if, you know, if, if he's paid and we're going out again, I like to pay the second time. And I actually consider it a red flag if we've gone out a couple of times and he refuses to let me pay at all, because I, to me, that's a red flag because to me, yeah, to me, it kind of indicates that he is intimidated by the fact that I might make more money than he does and mm-hmm. that he can't deal with it. Yep. And that's exactly what I do on my first date with Kyle and how I knew that it was going to be good was I reached for the check and he's like, whoa, 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 I want to pay for this. If you, if let's go out again. And if you want to pay him the second time, you, you can do that. Is that okay? And like being very like open and communicative about what was happening. And I said, that would be great. I would really like to pay for the second date. And that's what ended up happening. And then um, any other time after that, I would say, is it okay if I pay? Or he would say, is it okay if I pay? We would just, we would just discuss who's going to pay it and not be weird or uncomfortable about it. And even sometimes we'll go Dutch. Like if I ordered like last night or no, the night before last, I ordered pizza and wings he gave me $15 and he's like, here you go. We are just sitting at home. He's like, we'll pay for, I'll pay for half of this. And he ended up eating half the pizza anyway. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> going Dutch is, is the way to be. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't know about you, but like after having a marriage where we had the big pot finances, like I am really, I am really not super interested in combining finances with anybody again, even if somebody moves in with me, even if I get married, which is mm-hmm. At this point, I'm just like, that is really super unlikely, but <laughs> let's never say never. Like, I am really super not interested in big pop finances. I like the idea of keeping things as separate as possible. Yeah, I think keeping things separate, but understanding that with like a home or a car, for example, if that ever ends up happening, you you pay for those things jointly. There are things that you can pay for with jointly. And then there are things that you keep separate, like my credit cards are my credit cards, not yours. I will use them and I will pay for them. And you can do the same with yours. If someone was really keen on doing joint something, I would really have to seriously think about it. Because after doing it with my ex-husband and then going through a divorce where we had to split up debt, hard pass, like hardest pass ever. I never want to do that again. Well, the divorce, but splitting up debt. Like that was, that was awful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We were fortunate enough that we didn't have to worry too much about um, splitting up debt, which was nice because we just had the car that I was driving. We had the car loan still on that. And since I was driving it still, I obviously was like, well, I'll just keep making the payments on it. Yeah. And we had just a little other um, consumer debt from our move from a big move. And so other, you know, we really didn't have an issue which was nice, but I can see where, and, and, and probably part of it is because we were married for 13 and a half years. And so that kind of gives you time to, as a couple, get things under control, but it was still a pain. It was still a pain to like, we had a joint credit card together. So we had to cancel that. We had to, yeah. you know, separate our Canceled bank accounts. Oh yeah. God, car insurance. Oh, I yeah, got yeah. angry one day. 
And I'm like, I'm taking you off the car insurance. I took him off. USAA called him and said, hey, by the way, get your own policy because you're not on Ms. Betancourt's policy anymore. He called me. He's like, how could you do this? And I said, well, considering all that you've done, consider this a, a you're welcome for leaving you. And he was not happy. But, you know, I it, it sucks. Joint stuff sucks. Yeah. And, and, you know, and like I said, I mean, I've been fortunate. I mean, my um, my ex was not abusive anyway. We're still good friends. In fact, I'll be going to stay with him next month. Um, my son and I are going out to visit him next month. And we'll see Harlan too. Yay. But yeah, like dividing up stuff is hard too. We had to like, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, who gets the Netflix account? Who has to, <laughs> like seriously, like who has to, who has to sign up for their own Netflix account? Who, who gets to keep the Apple iTunes purchases that we've made for the last 10 years? You oh, know? God. I mean, like you have to think about that stuff. <laughs> like it, it yeah. legit, it legit, especially now with like all this digital streaming and all of this stuff. It's not just about who's going to get the TV, which by the way, that was one of our biggest disagreements was the TV. And it wasn't who, who got it. It was like, oh no, you take it. No, you take it. Cause we each wanted an excuse to buy a new TV. <laughs> so we were fighting, <laughs> over, so we were fighting over who had to take the TV. Ours was the vacuum. He oh, yeah? wanted the vacuum. I wanted the vacuum. And I'm like, <laughs> it's a freaking vacuum. It's $100. Go buy your own. Go buy your own vacuum. And he was like, no, we got this for our wedding. And I said, no, I got this for my birthday. I want the <laughs> vacuum. But yeah, I mean, with divorce and, and like relationships, whether you're married or not married and you have joint stuff together and you break up, the fights over the stuff is so ridiculous. And so it just it just makes it hard to want to like combine stuff with somebody you're dating again. And, you know, I've had a couple guys I've been out with or, you know, when we've gone out a few times and they're like, oh, let's, you know, I mean, you know, they start asking those probing questions, you know, trying to figure out, am I going to combine, like, if it gets that far, will I combine with them? And would I have them move in and all of that kind of stuff? And it's like... Nope. <laughs> and, and some of them get really upset at the idea that I'm like, no, I do not want to merge my life with yours and become one. It's just not going to happen. I don't want to be the Lily Marshall blob. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's one of the challenges too, I think, with with dating as a single mom as well. And, you know, you probably run into it as well as, especially yeah. if you're a driven, ambitious person, a lot of the time guys I go out with will start out thinking it's super great you know, Oh, I love your ambition. I love your fire. I love your energy. I love this stuff. But you know, once they get into it and they really realize that, no, I'm not going to like become one and no, I'm not going to, you know, give something up. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to stop doing my career stuff and everything. They, they quickly start to go, well, it was really fun at first to have somebody like independent and fabulous, but it's not so fun now because yeah some people just like to be needed and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm in a culturally conservative area. And so a lot of them take it as a personal affront if I don't need them. Yeah. All those snowflakes out there in Arizona. Oh yeah. Don't need to get started on those Scottsdale snowflakes. Whoa. So I, I know Fox, your son is young, but has he started to ask any questions? He hasn't been asking any questions. What has actually happened is that he loves Kyle so much. Like he, he he can't really say his name yet. He calls him Coco. So like when Kyle comes over, 
Fox will run to the door, go, go, and like give him a big <laughs> hug and be super excited about it. And it's always adorable. Or he'll want to like sit on the couch next to him and cuddle with him. And that's really cute. The other day, Kyle was over really late at night and Fox had gone down to bed. And when Kyle left, Fox instantly was like, what Coco? Where'd he go? Coco! And he was like walking around the house yelling Coco. I'm like, oh my God, this is kind of sad and heartbreaking, but also really, really funny because he's just this like, he sounds like he's talking with a French Klingon accent. I don't know how it's possible. <laughs> it just is. But like he has the weirdest voice sometimes when he says stuff. So he's just like gibbering all over the house and yelling Coco. And it's just the funniest thing I think I've I've seen all week long. <laughs> it sounds like they have a connection. So that's great. Yeah, they, they really do have a really great connection, which is which is awesome for me because him and his dad don't really have that. His dad and he like he sees his dad twice a month and cries every time. So it's like, it's really kind of like heart wrenching to watch. So when I see this bond that him and Kyle have, it's really amazing. And it really, it makes my heart happy to see that there is a man outside of my dad and my brother that Fox is bonding with. That's something that I've not necessarily wanted, but I know that there are some things that as a woman, I can't teach Fox to do that a guy is going to have to eventually. Well, that's my dad or, <laughs> or Kyle. I don't know, but I can't teach him to shave. That's weird. Do you think this bond puts any extra pressure on you and would influence decisions you would make with relationships going forward? I think if any kind of influence, it makes me still cautious. I'm just really protective of him, even still, even though him and Kyle have such a strong and amazing bond with each other. I'm still very like, you hurt my baby. I'm coming for you. I'm going to go all Liam Neeson on you. (laughs) (laughs) So if I, if Kyle and I were to break up and if we were to go our separate ways or whatever, I think that I would have to find a way to help Fox understand. Cause even when Kyle's not here for a couple of days, he'll still say where's Coco or talk about Coco every day. So having to make sure he understands and get him to understand that Coco's not coming back ever, I think would be really hard. And it's not something I've had the pleasure of experiencing yet. So I think I would try to do it as cautiously as possible and see how it, how it goes. I mean, I, I, I think our relationship's too early to tell if it's going to last forever. I would like that. I, I like him a lot. I love him. But I just, yeah, I would just be super protective. I will say, Kyle is an amazing guy. And he went to the hospital with us the other night when Fox opened up his gums with giant gash from the tv stand he's a klutz he ran into the tv stand and out it all came (laughs) oh wow yep boy life so any other thoughts on making you know obviously it's it's worked out for you you went through the dating phase now you're in you know serious relationship phase and anything else that you think will make dating life more successful don't put too much pressure on yourself both financially to afford going out on dates or to look good on going dates, just really truly be your authentic self. And that's something that I think is really hard for people to do because you want to impress and you want to seem like you're this really incredible, amazing person, but realizing that you already are is what will help you have a successful dating life. 
All right. That's fantastic. And can you <laughs> remind uh, our watchers and listeners and our audience how they might be able to find you online? Yes. So you can find me under Blonde Spot Sarah on Twitter and Instagram. On Facebook, I'm super secret hidden. So you'll have to look up Sarah Allison. I have a couple different profiles because I'm a social media marketer. So you can find one of them. If you don't hear back in a couple days, it's probably not a real profile of mine. Just use it for ads. And then on Pinterest, it's Blonde Spot Sarah. I mean, literally everything is Blonde Spot Sarah. I also have travelfoodiemom.com where I talk about food and my amazing chocolate cake fat kid dreams. So you can (laughs) check me out on there too. (laughs) All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This was a really great discussion. I think we went longer than just about any other conversation we've had on the podcast. A lot of great stuff. (laughs) No, it's great. It's fantastic. That's Um, awesome. So thank you again, Sarah. And uh, this episode and all the others are available on adulting.tv. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts by going to adulting.tv slash iTunes. And uh, you can ask us a question and we'd love to answer your question either in a video interview or on the podcast or in articles on the website. We have so much stuff going on. So just go to adulting.tv slash ask. And uh, until next time, remember to act like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.